Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. It's time to celebrate this messy decade and to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end, because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Melissa Maurice. Throughout her 20s, Mel took the work hard, play harder mantra to a whole new level. Known by her closest friends as a slave to the rave, she was not only chasing highs in a jam-packed social life, but amongst the madness managed to start up her own music PR company at the ripe old age of 25, called Maris Music, where she supported world-famous artists in their careers for over a decade. Mel also used this time to travel and racked up some serious miles, from Australia to Southeast Asia and South America, to frequent Ibiza trips during season to make those all-important music contacts. From the outside, and certainly to someone like me, Mel honestly looked like she had it all figured out. But in her 30s, Mel had what she refers to as a bit of a wake-up call. She realised that the something she was chasing which took the form of success wasn't necessarily going to make her happy. Through meditation and coaching, Mel gained some much-needed perspective and began to embark on a whole new journey of personal growth, self-discovery and self-love. Now in her mid-30s, Mel is still her own boss, working as a personal and business coach, helping her clients to grow and find their purpose in life, as well as working for the UN Women's Charity, helping to empower women across the world. Her journey through her 20s gives me hope that even though you can be chasing something you think you want, a significant change in your life which forces you away from that dream might just be the best thing that ever happens to you. Mel, it's so good to have you here. Thank you. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. It's a bit strange to hear myself in the third person, but it's, uh, yeah, it's also like quite uh, heartwarming. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. I literally could have rambled on forever because you've done so bloody much. But (laughs) um, I thought I'd just dive straight in then with the first question, which is, if we go back to your teenage years, rebellious Mel, (laughs) what did you want from your 20s? Like, what was the one thing that you wanted? It's quite an interesting question. Um, I mean, it's a long time ago, but from what I recall of rebellious Mel, as you called me, (laughs) I didn't want to follow the grain. So I always wanted to do my own thing. That was the most important thing, really. I couldn't imagine myself being tied to a desk and just doing, you know, the, the, the mundane office job. Even though mm. I ended up pretty much tied to my computer when I ran my own business. That's the, the irony of it, right? But I kind of just always felt that the most important thing was that I was just following my heart and doing mm. something that I really wanted to do. I really didn't want to end up just working for the slog, working for the money. I wanted to just yeah. be lit up by what I did. That's so intuitive, though, because I feel like so many people want that and yet so few actually sort of transpiring to doing it you know with the pressures of obviously other people as well were you surrounded by a lot of like-minded people I think it's a combination of things isn't it I think it's upbringing um I'm quite lucky that my mum um is very much just do what do what you really really want to do and she she never really pushed me to go in an academic direction whereas the rest of the family did um so yeah I think it was a bit of that and it was also I kind of feeling like the outsider as I grew up. So I didn't, I wasn't necessarily surrounded by people who chose this path when I was, when I was that age, when I was teenage. And even in my, um, you know, my uni years, I, I felt quite alone in my uni years, but I think that kind of pushed me to 
because I felt like the outsider to, to just go my own path and just do my own thing and not be afraid to be the outsider almost. And then I mm. fell in probably when I went to Ibiza for the first time and I started doing seasons, I fell in with a pack of people who, who were just not afraid to be themselves and were just kind of putting themselves out there and taking big risks and doing wild things and, you know, just, just exploring what it was to be, to be free and to be alive. And that really like lit me up and I really felt like I fit in for the first time. And that gave me the confidence to think, oh, okay, I can do this. I can just follow my heart and do what I want to do. Wow. That is so refreshing. I feel like I wish I felt like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's not always a comfortable place to feel the outsider, but you can use it as a driver. I always feel, you know, um, and everyone, everyone fits in somewhere, but yeah, identity is a different, a strange thing, isn't it? It changes shape, especially as you get older. And I think my twenties really were just about discovering who I was. I really had no idea who I was when I started my twenties. Mm. And by the end, I really thought I had it all figured out. Yeah. Now I look at it and I'm like, did I help? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I really think twenties are such a formative time because it's really about self-discovery. It's really about mm. like making all the mistakes and doing everything that you wouldn't dare have thought you would do, you know, but mm. doing it just because, I mean, what, what, what are the choices there? You know, by the time you get to your thirties and, and you have all these other things that, you know, you want to have a family and you, you need to have a house and you, you want to have money and all those other responsibilities kick in. So your twenties are important time to like map out that identity, I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you got to sort of, I guess your mid twenties, exactly 25, what then prompted that, um, change into sort of, I mean, starting your own business essentially, because that is such a massive venture. And did you feel prepared to do that? Was it like a, oh, I've been planning to do this for years. I'm going to do it. Was it sort of? Not at all. (laughs) Really mad. If you had told me like even the year before that I would do that, I would have absolutely told you categorically I didn't want to do it. But (laughs) circumstances just happened. Um, Basically, I, I was freelancing and I I was winging it really. I wasn't making a lot of money. I was winging it and I was just trying my luck and just seeing what fit. And I just, you know, I had a very hedonistic lifestyle. So like I said, I didn't want to be turning up to work every day at eight, nine in the morning. I wanted to just make my own hours and do my own thing. And then the, the two freelance roles that I had, the ones that were actually paying me, um, at this point I was living in London and I really needed money. They both folded at the same time. So one of the, uh, the, the label went bankrupt and the PR, um, company that I was working for just decided to downsize and move to the other side of the world. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm completely, you know, out here with nothing suddenly what do I do and uh, I had a, a really amazing friend at that point um called Matt Playford and he gave me a book on NLP this is kind of my introduction to coaching now when I'm talking about it I think thinking back to that is probably the first little nudge and I read this book and it literally shifted my thinking it made me realize that I could do anything like if you just believe in yourself, you're capable of anything. And he, he kept pushing me as well as other people, but he was a really big, um, supporter of me, I suppose. And just said to me, just go out there, just set up on your own. Like what, how can you not believe in yourself? I worked with him in the industry and, and, and he knew a lot of the people that I'd been working with and him believing in me and me kind of 
just taking a big risk, I suppose, and believing in myself just cemented this idea of, okay, maybe I'll just give it a go. And I gave it a go just thinking, you know, if it doesn't work, then what have I lost? You know, at least Mm. I could say I tried and maybe, you know, I end up working at a major label or I end up doing something different, but I've given it a shot. And then it, it went on for 10 years and it got bigger and bigger. And I mean, I'm not going to say it's luck because I don't believe in luck. I think I was a workaholic. Um, I was Mm. definitely in the right place at the right time. A lot of it, you know, you meet the right people and um, a lot of the creative industries is about contacts, isn't it? But yeah, a lot of it was hard work as well, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you say you're a workaholic and you must have been to, you know, grow the business the way you did, but also, you know, your social life, I guess it's part of the job. It's meeting people, it's going to brand launches or, you know, things like that. And do you regret anything about your work-life balance in your twenties or do you think it was the perfect time to do it? I don't, I never regret anything. I always say that even, (laughs) even the mistakes teach you so much about yourself. Almost. I don't know if you've heard of, um, Elizabeth Day and her how to fail and that kind that's my mantra really you can't you can't learn unless you you make mistakes so like you can't you shouldn't really regret anything because it's always going to teach you something um but I definitely didn't have a healthy work-life but work-life balance for a really really long time probably until god probably even until I was 30 if I'm really honest even beyond when I think about it some of the habits that I had um but especially when I was mid-20s and early 20s I was a real hedonist and I would um I would burn the candle at both ends and then I would go in to work and do uh, you know at least 12 hours of work uh, Monday to Friday and then I would often take it into the weekends if I wasn't out partying with friends so it was just extreme in every single aspect of my life it was really extreme um and I don't want to swear but you know the the <laughs> do the, it Go the, ahead. Stuff, the stuff hit the fan when <laughs> you know I was um when I was about 27 28 um and I just it just felt like my mental health was really suffering um, mm-hmm. because I wasn't looking after myself because not only was I going out and, you know, just partying too hard and probably not eating very well and not exercising enough, but I also just was filling the rest of my time with stress. And mm-hmm. it was just this perfectionism that was creeping in and nothing was ever good enough. And I was driving and driving and driving myself to the mm-hmm. point where I was just like, right, something's got to give here. And that's, that sent me in the direction of wellness and meditation and looking after myself and just going in completely the opposite direction, really. Um, Although it was a very slow process, I'm not going to say that I went headfirst into it. It it kind of, Mm. it inched its way into my life and I think it really needed to. So would you say, obviously you said, you know, it inched its way in, but is there a moment where you look back and think, oh, that was a defining moment, which really changed my outlook on that? not really to be honest I think um I think when you're a hedonist and you go out and you party and you do you know you you do drugs and you and you have um experiences that open your mind there's moments there that really open your mind and make you think oh god there's a bit more to life and then mm-hmm. that started to feed into just the rest of my life but I would also say actually probably now thinking about it, a big formative part was when I broke up with my partner of four years 
I was about 27. They call it the Saturn return at 27. When you're really, I don't know if you've heard this, but when you're really evaluating your life and what you've done so far and what you want to do next. And, and I hit this kind of year of like, oh, okay, what am I really about here? Like mm. I've had a hell of a lot of fun. I've lived life really full extreme, but what do I really know? And am I really happy? And I think that year things just started to spiral a little bit. Um, and I, I just couldn't really hold myself together in the way that I used to. Um, the cracks were starting to appear. So that was maybe a bit of a catalyst, but it was, it was maybe just coming, you know, I think maybe that point in everyone's life, you start to question who am I really? And what makes me tick? And what, what do I really want next? So, yeah. yeah, it's a big question. And I feel like a lot of people in their twenties are asking it throughout, you know, from the day one up until even into your thirties and forties. It's like, I feel like what my experience of it is like, am I doing the right thing? Do you feel like you were meant to end up doing something completely different? Because that's always a fear of mine. It's like, oh, I've worked so many years and I've I've put so much effort into this thing and it's now suddenly not what I want. Did that bother you at all? Or were you happy with sort of leaving it as, as it was? I think it's an evolving beast. So at the time that I decided to make the leap, I was really excited, but also really sad. Um, because as you say, it kind of in culture, we're taught that we should work towards this place in the future and keep going. And it's, there's so much focus on, the future that we kind of lose sense of it's the present that, that counts. It's the journey that counts. And, and what you're saying there is kind of, we're always like, Oh God, you know, if I end up doing something else, then what's all this counted for? But it's not, mm. it's kind of what I've realized now is that everything that I experienced in those nine years counted so much towards what I do now, why, who I am currently and, 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 and also my career currently, you know, uh, and I think every career switch, and there's so much more, uh, you know, p- common right now. I think every single one is additive, you know, it's like, it, it's accumulative and it, and it enforces what we do in the future, what we've done in the past. But sadly, we kind of don't have the emphasis on that because we're always trying to just reach perfection somewhere in the future where, yeah, now I look at those nine years and I think, wow, I am so glad that I experienced them. They were unbelievable. I got to travel the world most of the time for free, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I had an amazing lifestyle. I met some incredible people, some people that now I think about and I'm like, I can't believe I met those sorts of people. I can't believe they were part of my daily life but it's not really what I want now. Like my wants, my needs, my desires all shifted Mm. and just things. And I do a lot of work around this in coaching. My values shifted. So my values in my twenties were like the most important thing was adventure and freedom. And now, yeah, that's important, but it's not as important as my family, you know, as my independence. Um, it's, it's strange. I think, we are just such evolving creatures. So as long as we honor who we are at the moment, then it doesn't really matter what we end up doing. It's just more important that we're happy. Yeah. I could not agree with you more. (laughs) Happiness is, I feel like what everyone strives for. And it's that, you know, 
unequivocal beast, which you just can't quite grasp in your 20s when you're sort of trying to figure everything else out, I suppose. It gets easier. <laughs> I promise you. Oh, <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> so I guess then moving on to the the big change then into the coaching world, how nerve wracking was that? I mean, obviously you weren't starting at square one because as you said, you know, you had so many experiences, you had life experience and you're always such a good person to talk to about advice anyway. Like I'd come to you with anything. Um, so I guess you had that behind you, but in terms of, you know, building a whole new business behind you, um, how did you feel when that sort of came into focus? Well, it was quite an interesting um, experience, the whole, how it all unfolded. So I I knew that I wanted to change after the, the kind of year that I told you about. I'd gone through a few years of just feeling a bit dissatisfied with my job. And I think really I always thought that I would I would move because I didn't see any role models in my industry that I felt that I could fit in with. Um and so I was doing a lot of training and a lot of just looking around and just investigating, really. And then I got a coach and she literally lit me up. She was just life changing for me. From the fo- first phone call with her, I was like, oh, my God, like this is this is what I can see myself doing. So then a lot of synchronicities, what I like to call, you know, a coincidence, but like a a very significant coincidence that a lot of those started to occur for me. So very shortly after a a friend of mine, um, a really good friend of mine who I hadn't seen since I was in South America, popped up on my Facebook saying, I'm running this coaching course that um, I've just, that he'd um, graduated with, but he'd been doing really well in coaching and coaching at Google and all these other places. And because I knew him, I was like, I'm going to try this course. So went on the course and in my head, I was like, what I'll do is I'll finish the course. I will um, still run the company and the two will just really nicely coexist. And then one, you know, the, the company will fade out gradually, but still pay me money and I'll just coach. And it would be this, you know, lovely dream and money would never be an issue. And then as it transpired midway through the course, I had a bicycle accident and broke my wrist. And it meant that I couldn't do a lot of the work on my business, on the music company. I was suddenly having all this time on my hands and felt really frustrated and felt really annoyed because I was such a workaholic and still hadn't Mm. really slowed down, like I said. And, but one thing I could do was coach. Right. And, and after a couple of weeks, I started to think this is quite an amazing opportunity, really, because rather than me see it as, oh my God, why would this happen to me? Um, this is such a pain in the ass. I started to think maybe this is like happened for a bigger reason. Maybe this has happened Mm -hmm. to give me the space to really just focus on the coaching, which I'm really enjoying doing and just to, to make a bit of a leap because there's no, there's no more, um, inspiring time than when you're actually learning something to jump into something Mm -hmm. so I meditated more than I've ever meditated probably I was meditating for at least like an hour or two a day and it just kept coming to me like you should you you need to jump you need to let go of the company now it's time this has happened for a reason just just jump and um so within I think about a month of the accident I went into my office I hadn't been going in because obviously I couldn't work very much I went into my office and told my staff like I'm going to give the company to you guys and I'm going to just give this coaching thing a go 
and they were like, what? <laughs> you're you going to do what are you, are you crazy like you just spent nine years like building it to this point you're just going to walk away and and I was like yeah I am I'm just going to walk away and I felt I've, I've got to say so calm about it because I, I had innate trust in my intuition because I always, my mantra is everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And if you can always see the silver lining and the good in what's happening to you, that it's got a potential to teach you something huge, even if it's really traumatic, then it, it's like my faith. It's my anchor. And it just kept me going. And I've got to say, it's only the second time that I've really acted on it in a big way like that, but it paid off so much. And it's not to say that like, I, I did all this, right? And I lined it all up. And then I think like the week before it happened. So I said, in two months time, it's all going to change over. It's going to be yours and I'm going to walk away. And I think it was August. And I remember being like that week, like, what have I done? This is crazy. What am I doing? This is insane. Oh my God, have I just lost my mind? And my mind started to click in rather than my heart. And I, mm. I'm not going to say that nerves didn't click in, but I kept just having a word with myself and just being like, come on, you can do this totally like believe in yourself and you can do it like it's exactly what happened to me with starting up the company and one other time when I just left my company and just went off to South America to do ayahuasca and both times it had served me it had given me some of the, the biggest growth experiences of my life so I was like just you can do it you can do it and it, and it paid off. And I'm not saying that there hasn't been points in the journey as well where I've been like, oh my God, this is scary. But you just have to have trust, I think, and mm. know that you can achieve anything if you believe it. The only thing that holds you back is yourself. That's so true. I literally, <laughs> yeah, I feel like everything that we do in life is always that, you know, the devil on your shoulder um, being like, you're going to fail at this or this, this might go badly. And it's so hard to do what you did and just tell it to shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> I can do it if I want to do it and I will do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it must help you so much as a coach as well to just be able to like say that, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot of the things that scare people. Um, well, I'm mentor now on the course that I did and I love it when they come to the end of the course and they're like, I just, I just want to take this leap. And I'm, and I tell them my story and they're like, Oh my God. And it's really nice. But I will say it's not for everyone. Not everyone is, I, I'm of a very certain nature. I, I'm really impulsive. I, I'm what they call an activist in, in like psychotherapy styles. So like I really just jump really fast. I make a decision and I jump like that's my style. Not everyone's like that. Some people are more theorists, more pragmatists, and they need to take things slower, but it worked for me. It's always worked for me. And I think you just have to honor what works for you. And the, the more you know yourself, the more you know what works for you. And it's just about that self-discovery really. Yeah, absolutely. I read on one of your Instagram posts at the bottom, you said, if you introduce the 20 something year old me to the one I am today, I wouldn't recognize myself. I'd like to think they'd get on and perhaps teach each other about how to get the most out of their passions and their world sides. Do you really think you wouldn't get on with 20 year old you? I'd think I was really reckless. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's because a lot of my friends haven't moved on to, to be fair, sometimes my partner as well, haven't, hasn't really moved on <laughs> from that lifestyle, that kind of hedonism, that wildness and, mm. and, and there's something to be celebrated in that wildness, right? There really is. But I feel like I got a lot 
out a lot of that out of me in my 20s I kind of explored all of that and now I'm kind of ready to just be a bit more quiet I like the you know the hermit life a bit more and I just (laughs) I I like simpler things I like walking in nature I like all the things that literally when I was growing up and my my mom and my stepdad loved it I was like oh my god this is so boring and now (laughs) I find myself like into gardening and like just things that I would never have imagined that would really Mm -hmm. light me up but it just goes to show never say never on anything because Mm. you just don't know what the future holds oh that's so lovely would you give your 20 year old self any advice like if you could go back and meet her and tell her she was bloody reckless but would you say would you say do everything exactly the way you're going to do it Oh yeah, I would. I would just say don't give yourself such a hard time because Mm. I am, as I said before, quite a perfectionist and I'm really like still learning to master that and see it for what it is. But I think um, in my twenties, I was super hard on myself, especially in my business. I was really hard on myself. Nothing was ever good enough. And I think it rubbed off on my staff a lot. And I do have some you know, moments where I think, God, I hope they don't, you know, carry that stuff around with them because, um, it's all a reflection of who you are, how you manage. And I definitely got better at managing people as I, as I got older and I started to be a bit softer on myself. But yeah, I suppose in business, you pick up the competitiveness, don't you? It's a, it's a very masculine energy, but it's dominant in culture when you run business. Mm. I definitely, I would never run a business the way that I had done then, but I learned a lot from that and it's made me a lot more resilient and a lot stronger and a lot less afraid to ask for what I want. So definitely no regrets, but I would definitely say just, just, just go easy on yourself. Go easy. Love that. Oh, thanks so much, Mel. That was such a good insight into your incredible decade I would say you know like you did so much and it's so it's so reassuring to hear that you know even when things don't go to plan and you make these decisions which flop your whole life on its head that things always turn out all right in the end that's very reassuring (laughs) yeah they really do as well even when you think things are going in completely the wrong direction and you look back in like a year or two, two years time, you're like, oh my God, that was, that was awesome. It just set me on this completely different path, which I never would have gone on otherwise. So yeah. So we're going to play a quick game now. It's just called Millennial Minesweeper. Mm. I, thanks. I was hoping for more of a, but yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, so basically what it is, is I'm going to read out several statements that people have said and like published on the internet about how we should be living life in our twenties. I say that in um, commas because it's, ugh, I hate when people tell me how I should be living my life in my twenties. So basically I'm going to read out these facts and you've got to tell me whether you think they're true, AKA they have been written and published or whether you think I've made them up. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So first one is 80% of life's defining moments happen before you're 35. Mm. I would say you've made that up. No, that is actually true. I say true. I mean, we don't actually know, do we? But it was spoken by Meg Jay in a TED talk in 2013. So it could quite have potentially changed because that was quite dated. But yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if I would agree with that because I have found when you were, when you were asking me what's your defining moments of your twenties, I was like I can't think of any. Mm. But maybe that's like a memory thing. But like all, my, <laughs> all my defining moments feel like they've been in my thirties. I feel like well, obviously, you have a child and 
uh, you know, I've had a career change and all these like major things. Maybe it's, maybe it's a memory thing. Maybe it's mm. you, you, you fade and you forget what actually happened. <laughs> Potentially. Sorry. Right. Our second one is you will consistently have to make short term sacrifices to achieve your long term goal. Hmm, I don't believe in sacrifices, so I'm going to say that's a false one again. Well, I don't believe in it either, but it was actually published. So Forbes magazine published this one in an article called 20 Things I Learned in My Twenties. But you don't agree with it? No, I don't believe. Well, it depends on how you frame sacrifice, right? I think Mm -hmm. if you just follow your intuition, if you follow your heart, then it'll always get you back in the right direction. Like it, it's good to have a long-term vision, always good to have a long-term vision, but ultimately you don't want to start compromising on, on your morals or on, or any, on things that are really important to you. I think ultimately a life will t- send you in the right direction as long as you just follow your heart. So that kind of goes against that. Oh, I want to live my life like that. <laughs> um, so our last one is you are more likely to get hit by a car than you are to earn a million before you're 25. Hmm. That's an interesting one. There's so many millionaires now. So I would probably say that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I actually made that up. (laughs) (laughs) I got them all wrong. But I feel feel like it could be true, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it is. <laughs> yeah. Although well. if you think about how many self-made millionaires there are on Instagram and stuff now, you know, it's um, it's pretty remarkable, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, it is a bit bonkers right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the 20 Not Something podcast, Mel. It's been such a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. A beautiful interview. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. I'll take that to my grave and not be so hard on myself. (laughs) Good. Perfect. You're listening.